that I'm at an all time. Hello and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 48. Happy New Year to everybody. This is the first podcast of 2017. Uh, in this podcast, we have a returning guest, Ted T. Ted T has been one of our feature animation instructors since the beginning. Um, he's been a longtime uh, Walt Disney Animation Studio animator and DreamWorks animator, and has recently moved up to Montreal, his hometown, to uh, be an animation director at L'Atelier, one of the independent boutiques up there, and uh, just recently released, as of I think Christmas, their first feature. Um, one of the things that's made this podcast very unique and fun was not only be able to catch up with Ted, but to be able to pull on two other guests, India Barnardo and Martin Smith, two iAnimate students, Martin being one of our first students here at iAnimate and alumni as well. Uh, Ted, when he started it up there in L'Atelier, had to recruit animators, and so he pulled a bunch of iAnimate students, former um, students and alumni, and these are two that were there that we're going to get to talk to as well. So this was a very fun, informative podcast, and you able just to catch up with these guys. So uh, take a listen. How you doing, Larry? I'm doing all right, Ted. How's it going? Good. Ted, you got to help me out here, buddy. How do you pronounce the name of the company again? Okay, so here's how you pronounce it. L'Atelier. If it makes you feel any better, Larry, I, I worked there for just over a year, and I still struggle to tell people, <laughs> say people, sense people now. L'Atelier, okay. Perfect. All right. Everybody's doing really good? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yep. thank you. All right. It's nice That's to see my weekend. people. I know this is way cool. <laughs> so nice, so nice to see them. Like it, it's uh, it's heartwarming to see them. It sounds strange to say, but like we, everyone develops such a close bond that I miss oh, everyone. Literally, like I think about them all the time, walking on the street, you know, like uh, sitting in the studio. Like I feel like the spirits of everyone kind of still in there. That's know? awesome. Every time you see some some fried chicken or some some poutine. Yes, I go, wow, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say yeah Little there's cheer. an alleyway I walk by all the time and I think of Martin and it sounds bad but because we shot part of the thank you video there we'll exclude that from the it's yeah it's where we used to hang out when we were on breaks be tough yeah. <laughs> bully people and take their lunch money now real quick uh, Martin in India where are you guys at right now I know you guys are in the UK but uh, both are at oh. MPC yeah, yeah. advertising very cool. You know, first of all, I kind of want to jump into, uh, for you, Ted, particularly, you know, we've had a podcast with you before, so I'm going to direct listeners to that. Um, but I think what's interesting from your kind of vantage point, and we're, we're going to jump into this right now. So um, what's interesting from your vantage point is your, I guess, transition and move from DreamWorks to L'Atelier, right? All right. All right. Um, kind of your journey from to there. And so we've kind of got a little bit your your backstory, how you got into animation. Uh, but I think that's a unique and interesting um, story there. You're from Canada and kind of how you got moved there. And then obviously Martin in, in India, how you guys got into animation. You know, I know you guys come through iAnimate and uh, Martin, you were one of our early, early graduates mm-hmm. there. Um, but then how you guys even got hooked up at, uh, to work with Ted up there. So I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, maybe Ted, let's jump with you and kind of see kinda how you 
journeyed over there? Sure. Just in a nutshell, uh, I, uh, in the spring of 2014, unfortunately, my um, dad went through some medical issues. Uh, eventually, we lost him. But in the transition of uh, coming to see him back in Montreal from uh, Los Angeles, which was near the end of How to Train Your Dragon 2, mm -hmm. uh, uh, we lost him. And uh, when I was visiting him here in the hospital, uh, I realized that since the situation wasn't good, it made me real well. At the time, actually, the situation seemed recoverable. Uh, and I started thinking, wow, you know, at one point, what more do I have to say in LA? I mean, I love DreamWorks and they're a second family to me there and everyone's wonderful and super talented. Uh, but I thought, at what point am I going to go back? I really like to balance my life a little and spend some time with my family again. Yeah. And so I decided uh, to do an interview with L'Atelier. Uh, someone reached out to me from a recruiting service here because I was recommended by Dave Hubert. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, basically, you know, he's pretty much the furniture at DreamWorks, but you could try. <laughs> uh, but he actually respectfully asked me if it was okay for them to reach out. And I, it was just at the same time I was thinking about the possibility of coming back in the future, but mm -hmm. not at that time. Okay. And I did the interview and uh, I had heard kind of not so great things about the studio. So I went in there prepared just to make it an exercise and practicing to interview in case I ever wanted to come back. Mm -hmm. But everyone turned out to be really great mm -hmm. and they really had their act together and it surprised me uh, a lot. Uh, and then things unfortunately uh, turned for the worse for my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, and so my mindset really wasn't there, but things were so heavy. At one point they called me back for a second interview and just to distract myself, I came back in and uh, we did a Skype interview with the producers in France, <laughs> but it was the most laggy, blurry, <laughs> worst Skype ever. I heard all of their questions about four seconds late. Oh. And I responded four seconds late and all the jokes were off and <laughs> we wrapped up the interview and I said, you know what? I guess that's done. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was asked, well, what do you think? And I said, you know, give the position to someone else because I've got other things on my mind and I have a commitment at DreamWorks. Um, but then they called me again about a month later and they said, Hey, would you just happen to read the script and uh, get back to the producers like tomorrow? I'm like, well, I got work here, but um, okay, I'll read it and I'll call them back. So I read it over the weekend and there were a few holes, but again, surprisingly it was much better than I had expected it to be. Mm -hmm. And so after everything that had happened with my family and finishing crunch, flying back and forth to finish dragons Two, starting penguins of Madagascar is pretty wiped out. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I talked to the producer on the phone, I said, look, he was like, we should talk again. I said, okay, well, yeah, the last Skype wasn't very good. We should probably not like have a five second delay between questions. Mm -hmm. so I said, okay, we can Skype again. So no, I, you should come to Paris. I said, honestly, I'm wiped out and the only weekend I have is 4th of July to really kind of recoup a little bit and just kind of not like go out and eat hamburgers and watch fireworks to kind of sleep. <laughs> and they said, look, the worst, worst comes to worse. Uh, you have a good weekend here and no commitment. I said, well, it's going to be kind of an undertaking for you guys. And they said, don't worry about it. 
And then so they ended up flying me there. And um, at this point, to be very honest, I don't know if I've admitted to anyone. I, I wasn't intending to, you know, I wanted to be fair mm -hmm. because they had really been generous and patient. And so I did my homework before I went over and I read the script and I broke it down and I wrote all my notes and thought about what approach I might take if I really were to anim direct it since I'd never anim directed. And um, I ended up meeting them and then the next day, Orly Dupont, Jeremy Bellingard, the two Etoile dancers who eventually did our choreography and our reference. Mm. Uh, I met the whole team. And then on the Monday morning, I was there three days. I went in to work with the producers and we just pulled up the animatic and we had the script and we went through chronologically. And after like two and a half hours, uh, I pretty much again was surprised and I felt like, wow, I would really like to be here. That's cool. Yeah. The producers were collaborative and open and cared about the characters. And so I wasn't used to this, you know, from LA. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I got on the plane and headed back to LA strangely knowing that my life had just kind of changed, uh. but I didn't sign anything. I waited to talk to uh, DreamWorks first. And I told them, you know, my intention really uh, was to come back and be with my mom and take care of her. And um, this opportunity just happened to be at the exact same time. Mm. And I was really worried. It took me like a month to muster up like, you know, I tell you, I was like, what's going on? I'm like, I haven't talked to them yet. I'm really busy. <laughs> terrified because I have such a good relationship with them and I was mid-contract and but they gave me their blessing they said you know you're welcome to come back anytime and we're really happy that you're going to be back with your family and for this great opportunity oh that's awesome that's very very yeah. cool yeah that's a great testimony about the company well and Jeffrey too I wrote I wrote to him to say thanks because essentially I'd worked for him for like 20 years that's crazy between Disney and DreamWorks uh -huh. I said thank you for the chance just want to let you know I'm headed back to Montreal and he writes back like two seconds after I hit enter he's like come to my office that's exactly what he wrote I'm like he's gonna fire me before I can leave I'm gonna get that you'll never work in this town again <laughs> yeah you can't quit you're fired yeah yeah exactly so I went over there and um his uh, uh executive assistant Larry I know I know him well and I'm like Larry what and he's like I don't know. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> he didn't help so, you out. Huh? Yeah, he didn't help me out at all. And I went in his office and uh, basically just said, I got two words for you. And I was like, what two words? I think are the worst possible two words he could say to me. And he says, he said, work hard. He said, you've always worked hard for me and you're going to go through some really smooth times and some really bumpy times. But if you hunker down and you work hard, it's going to solve everything. And he, he took a picture and he gave me a big hug and that was it. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, maybe, we'll, okay, we'll come back to some of this here. Um, let's go with you, India. Well, actually, I'm going to go with Martin because I think part of your journey into iAnimate was through, obviously, Martin here. So, <laughs> yeah. um, Martin, how did you get into, or what made you want to get into animation? How did you come across iAnimate? And then uh, maybe eventually hear how you landed at La Telier. Uh, hi, hi, yes. Um, so I spent uh, most of my 20s attempting to be an architect and uh, I, I think I was all right at it. I, I probably could have taken it somewhere ultimately, but it never felt like something that I wanted, I really loved. 
and uh, there's this uh, there's this funny thing that happens with most creative professions that you know you spend a decent amount of time uh, at the bottom of the rung, sort of picking up other people's scraps, and it's not for 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 quite a few years until you get to really sink your teeth into something that that you know personifies that that profession. And architecture is very much one of those. Like I spent a lot of years doing uh, uh, dealing with contractors and uh, uh, sourcing materials for buildings, and didn't I spent very little time actually working on designs and, and ideas, which is what I in my uh, in my mind's eye, I imagined what it was going to be. So uh, I think I was traveling around uh, Southeast Asia and um, I remember being in this town, sat by a pool, a terrible thing. And um, uh, I, I thought to myself, do I, do I really want to keep doing this for the rest of my life? Like it, I wasn't really earning a particularly great amount of money and I didn't enjoy doing it. I thought to myself, I, I, could, either, I could either take time away um, get better at this in a different way and maybe reapproach it. Um, I could go and do a job that just gives me more money and accept that as my as my thing, or I could go away and do something that I really want to do, something that I've always sort of dreamed of doing. And um, animation had always seemed like this impossible dream to me, something mm. for other people. Uh, especially by that point, I was oh, I must have been twenty eight, twenty nine, and so you know it's something that you do when you're. 13, 12, 8, you know, when, you, when you're born, you, you start drawing straight away and then you, and it's, you know, it's by the time you're, you're 21, you've already got your first job at Disney. That's how it works. Um, and so I didn't, I, I thought to myself, I, I, I never considered it to be a realistic uh, possibility for me, but um, the one thing that architecture did give me was confidence in my creative abilities. And I thought, well, maybe that's something that I can do then. Maybe I could be an animator if, I was willing to make some sacrifices and commit to it and really focus on it. And it's something that, that, that might actually be a possibility. So I, um, I basically, I, I came back to England, moved back in with my mum and uh, locked myself away for a couple of years, uh, did a course uh, locally, um, which wasn't too fruitful and then did animate. And I was in the first class, um, uh, did the whole six workshops as they were at the time, mm -hmm. um, including a stint with Ted, and um, came out the other end, and then uh, that was me into the big wide world. How did you How did you hear about iAnimate? Uh, I think it was. I think there were some discussions on the the website uh, Eleven Second Club. Okay, a few people had been talking about it and saying, "Oh, there's this new class starting up. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be wonderful." And there's all these teachers that that, that everybody had heard about from uh, you know podcasts and different different places and I thought that sounds that sounds like a great idea it seemed like a bit of a gamble because it was an unknown quantity mm -hmm. nobody you know the, the only thing that we really had which was a wonderful thing was Jason Ryan's right. lectures um, but beyond that it was it was it was an unknown but it felt like one of those sort of risks that that, that was worth taking at the time mm -hmm. and uh, turns out it was a good decision <laughs> absolutely <laughs> in India what about you well my journey into animation is a bit different. I went through school loving fine art, painting, drawing, and I was like, I, I'm going to be a painter. That's it. My school advised me that maybe that's not the best uh, stable career choice in the world, but I was adamant. I was like, I want to just paint things. Um, and then from there, uh, I got yeah, to... Yeah, because of... it didn't work out for Picasso. 
No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then I got to about, I guess it's like seven, 17 or 18 when you start applying for universities here. Uh, and I looked at uh, one of the universities in England and uh, an old student from my school had been to the same one and I thought, okay, I, I mean this, I'd, I'd already been to, I'd already done a work experience when I was about 16 at Framestore and I'd gone and stayed there for a couple of weeks and I saw all these people doing insane amount of different jobs that I'd never even imagined that existed. Mm. And I think there was a bit of me in my head, <clears throat> I saw uh, like a making of a, a Monsters Inc. on the DVD. Mm. And actually, it was the um, the hair people, the fair people, that I was like, wow, their job looks cool. <laughs> that looks fun. Uh, and uh, I, I sort of researched it a bit more, and I went to uni, started my first day, and I picked uh, computer animation. So it was a bit broader than just, just um, characters. It was bits of, like you did some modeling and some rigging and stuff. Um, and I realized that fair wasn't for me because it's very technical. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I like maths, but not that much <laughs> to do a degree. Um, so anyway, I, not knowing anything about animation or having ever really thought about it previous to starting this course on my first day, I was like, what am I doing? What have I done? I have no idea. And people sat next to me that have been, like Martin said, have been doing it since they're 13 or 14 and they know Maya and they know all these wonderful things that I had no idea about. Uh, and then I just fell in love with it as soon as uh, we had a 2D module and, you know, you do a bouncing ball. I was like, okay, yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm going to go this way. <laughs> uh, I can draw uh, and make it move. So, yeah, that's fine. That's good. Um, and then I just got more and more obsessed as it went on. Um, and then I left uni uh, having met uh, and kept in contact with Framestore. Um, so I went to work with them uh, and uh, eventually moved up the ranks from washing mugs to animating and all that sort of thing. Um, and then after about th uh, three and a half years or two and a half years of being there, I managed to meet Martin. <laughs> Oddly, through through Twitter uh, about anim about animation, and kind of related to iAnimate because he was doing these uh, daily sort of animation exercises with a skyscraper. Ah, okay. And I saw it on Twitter, and he said, "Oh, what shall I do for the next one?" So I said, "Oh, skipping," I think it was, and. Uh, you know, he, he replied like, yeah, sure. And then he did it. Skyscraper, <laughs> <laughs> the um, glue that binds us. Yeah, he's like, cute girl, give me a suggestion. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, I, uh, anyway, so we met and uh, I actually t uh, told him to go to this animation thing in London. And we met and, uh, and obviously all the rest of that is history. Mm -hmm. um, but he he was just finishing as i met him he was just finishing ted's class mm. uh, which i think he missed one of the lectures because of me maybe uh -oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> no we don't let's <clears throat> this is not unlikely <laughs> story <laughs> this is kind of like you know when uh, kids grow up and then they start talking about when they're growing up and their parents i didn't know you did that you know <laughs> wait a minute exactly. <laughs> um, you told me you were doing this <laughs> but I mean, Martin, uh, it wasn't the only thing he talked about, but he wasn't 
you know, he told me a lot about Ted's classes and all the other classes he'd been involved with and, and Ken and, and uh, it was just like, oh, it sounds really like such a great platform to sort of improve your skill or as Martin did start from the, almost the bottom up and just go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd been at Frame Store a while at that point and I, I'd wanted to find a way to, to uh, improve my, I guess my polish and my uh, general um, sort of, oh, what's the right word? Um, basically in advertising, you know, you only, there's a lot of turnover in projects. So the amount of time you get to spend on a shop is not very long mm. and it doesn't really Im- improve your um, level, like I guess level of detail, you know, cause you've only got so much time. Right. You, you can only get in as much as you can and as much as they, you know, want it out the door yesterday kind of deal. Yeah. So I thought iAnimate would give me the opportunity to really concentrate on the shot and not worry about um, fulfilling uh, a very short deadline because it'd be more feature level, uh, you know, work, uh, animation work. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, through Martin, I basically thought iAnimate seems like a good place to go. Like he told me who, which lecturers uh, taught in different ways and you know, who would work with me and... Don't, don't take Ted's class. And... <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a personal mistake. Yeah. Well, I did, because I did, I did, uh, had Stephen Melagrano for Workshop 2, and then I took Mike Walling's class for Workshop 3, and then I paid for Ted's Workshop 4 class, but somehow ended up at Latelier. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, 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 like, they like, can pay me and I can be with Ted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quickly email Kent. Please come. Um, I'm gonna work with Ted now. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> He's gonna pay me now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if Ted will want to see me 24 hours a day. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then and through that, that you know, obviously that's how Martin introduced me to anime, and it was, a, you know, I wouldn't be where I am now without it. That's awesome. Fantastic. Okay, that's a great segue because I wanted to talk with you, Ted, in regards to how you're now at this studio here. They're giving you some leeway now for creativity. How did you start? Did you have a team there? Did you now need to start pulling in? Because I know you've got a lot of the iAnimate graduates and students and such here. So how did that, I guess, how did that come about? Pulling your team together? Yeah, you know, that was a very tricky thing because – the moment I knew that I was going to accept the role, uh, I have a kind of a Rolodex in my head uh, with all the people, like all the XI animate students that I've really just taken note of. And not just artistically, but very importantly, personality wise, mm. you know, work ethic wise, people who kept their word, people who did things on time, people who are devoted to making themselves better, uh, egoless people or you know, as much as artists can be egoists like any other normal person. Um, and so over a broad spectrum of qualifications, I, I keep people in mind. Uh, not ever really having the thought of being an anim director in my head, you know, because I love animating. But now it's kind of like, okay, well, what happens? And then also you have restrictions to hiring because uh, of, of uh, where financing comes from for films. You know, I was very restricted and I wasn't able to hire Americans very easily at all. Uh, it was very big restrictions 
well, through certain countries because you're getting money from Canada, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So I started going, okay, well, A, who do I feel um, fits the mold? And what does that mean? I had to establish the structure of what I wanted first. So one thing I've heard a lot about um, from in, that takes place in studios in Montreal was a lot of clicks would form at different studios and clicks are just erosive. You know, uh, the, a good environment, uh, is one where you get along with everyone and you feel as if you could speak to anyone at any given time. Right. You know, the test is if you were there at lunch, you know, and your crew wasn't around, would you still sit with the other people, <laughs> you know? And, and so I really wanted, uh, to reduce that. I didn't know if I could do it or not. Like all of this was theory, right? And so I said, okay, what could minimize that? And I wanted to hire 50% girls, 50% guys, 50% French speaking, 50% English speaking right away to kind of break that down and to help avoid that. Uh, and then I went through my list of who I thought for my, was we had 11 I animate people on our yeah. crew, nine ex-students yeah. of mine personally. <laughs> and then the rest came to recommendations uh, from around town and slowly just started doing very extensive interviews um, and then uh, choosing people one by one. And the tough part about it is that a lot of it's gut feeling because obviously a lot of people couldn't show me demo reels because they were working on the film. Mm. Uh, they were working on a film and couldn't release anything to me. So the interviews uh, had to be really deep to allow me a better picture of them. And here's the thing. I won't hire anyone that I wouldn't work for. Okay. And that's a big philosophy of mine. Uh, now, granted, there was a couple of things that I missed in the interviews. You know, not everyone's going to work out all the time. Right. But I think a couple out of 34 total animators. We only had 30 at one time in the studio, but people had kids and, you know, things like that. So we would replace them with someone new and, you know, it pretty much worked if only two out of 34 kind of didn't work out for just different reasons, right. than, you know, personal. Um, but really it was about, could I make this, could this person fit? It's really you know, I'm a big hockey fan and the miracle team in 1982, the U S team, mm -hmm. Herb Brooks was the coach and he famously uh, picked his team within two days after gathering the best like uh, college players in, in the U S um, he put his team together in two days and riled the feathers of everyone who had <laughs> organized it. They said, well, this isn't the best team. Look at, look at on paper. This is not the best team. And he goes, I don't care. I don't want the best team. I want the right team. Mm. And that always stuck in my head. And I wanted to, to do that because you know what? I, I believe in mentorship and I believe that everyone given the right opportunity um, and explain the right kind of expectations and um, uh, of the, of what's expected of them and uh, I don't know the accountability that they need to have uh, can be guided into being a great animator. I don't think there's such a thing as someone who can't become a great animator. They just need the shot. Mm. And I wanted to give a lot of people a chance.
and because I didn't know whether this was going to be my last movie, I wanted to do it <laughs> in a way in which I thought it should be done. People treated fairly um, and encouraged and supported, and then you see from there. So that's kind of how I did it. It took like a month and a half, put some people together. That's awesome. Now, you said 30 animators. That's a pretty good-sized team there. That it is, you, yeah. How many uh, people were there prior? Was there anybody as far as animators? No, or were you, you, no blank slate. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, scary. You two had an interview for this. <laughs> yes. Mm, yes. Wow. <laughs> I, love, I love the laugh first. <laughs> it was, I, I think, I, think I mean, Ted can, Ted can speak, speak to this in more detail, but I think because we were, we were, to some extent, a, a more known quantity than a right. lot of people. Yeah. Uh, especially, obviously, some of the local people that, that Ted hadn't um, interacted with before. So for us... The interview was, it was the strangest interview I've ever had, to be honest. It was, um, it was on Skype and we were both Together. in the same room, sat next to each other. Uh -huh. And uh, we were like, I think we, I think because we used to walk home from work. We were both working in Soho in London at the time. And I remember walking home to that interview thinking, oh, we're nervous and sweaty palms. And <laughs> we were talking over some of the things that we could say. And India's, India's really good at, uh, at interviews. And so she'd written like this, this wonderful list of questions and things that we could ask Ted and, and uh, just to, you know, just to kind of get the conversation going and have some interaction. And we sat down and uh, the video came up and Ted's sitting in the conference room with, um, I think, Laurent and uh, some other people from the studio. Mm. And they're all, they're all sat there and we're like, here we go, here we go. And Ted's like, how's it going? You all right? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> and then we, just, then we chatted for about five minutes and then India basically ended up interviewing Ted for about 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd never, you know, it's strange. She a huge, she's the first one who ever had a list of questions for us. Very cool. And she's like, and because we briefly asked her like, so do you have questions for, well, actually, <laughs> out this huge, like eight foot long sheet of paper with questions. I'm like, wow, wow, am I hired? You know? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, the, the India wasn't a known quantity to me. Because she hadn't in the class yet with no, you. Huh? No, and anyone who knows me knows that even though there's a relation to Martin, I would never hire anyone who's unqualified. Mm -hmm. That's like first and foremost, I'd, favoritism, uh, fire experiences don't affect me. I can't do that, you yeah. know. Uh, I have to put the studio first, but, you know, having seen India's work, uh, the interview was just to confirm that she wasn't crazy, you know, like, uh, <laughs> she's with but, Morton. Um, you know, so yeah, that's where the question came yeah. from. No, no, no. no but in all honesty, like the work was there, so it wasn't, that's all I needed to know. And then we just needed to, to meet and talk about things. Although I can add, I think yeah. me and Martin got off lightly in terms of interviews you because did. when we, when we got to Latelier, we heard some of the interviews uh, like stories from other, other our colleagues and man they were they were tough they were <laughs> yeah oh some of the questions Ted <laughs> they, the they, joy. what was it? <laughs> yeah, what, I always remember Chloe's one was was it about oh it was about a painting wasn't it was that no oh anyway, maybe it um, was uh, a, a question about Matisse you know, yeah, I have yeah. a lot of questions that I would ask people in regards to um, in regards to how they perceived things off of certain quotes from that that I'd found. Mm 
So you would just throw out this quote and now they were to give you feedback. Yeah. Wow. Okay. As how, how it relates to them and how they perceive their world. Very cool. Now, is this something that you, go ahead, Martin. No, I was going to say, I think you had a, I remember one of the other ones was, uh, sorry to derail you there, Larry, if you wanted to carry on with that, I can, I can come in afterwards. No, no, go ahead. No, no. Uh, I think one of the ones that I, I, I remember personally was, was, uh, uh, we had, I think it might have been with Martin, who there was another Martin, but the uh, uh, Quebecois guy. So, so Mar he, he spells, he pronounces his name properly instead of my broken uh, English version. But, um, he, uh, I think he got asked a question and something along the lines of, um, or, uh, do you, uh, how do you feel about um, Buster Keaton or a certain, a certain actor? And um, he was, he, he just responded saying, I, I never heard of him. Uh, and, and I'm not sure. And Ted was like, so impressed that he was honest, honest. and that he was like, that's the, there was the the, 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 he much preferred the idea that he'd, he was honest instead of just tried to spiel off something about this person that he'd never heard of and had no <laughs> idea about. I remember he, he came, he came to us often. He's like, it's really good. He didn't know about this thing. And it was great because he told me that. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, because honesty is the key, right? If you if you intend to improve, the relationship has to be completely transparent. Mm -hmm. And it means you trust me saying you don't know how, and I trust you because you told me you don't know how. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, honestly, everyone thinks like they, we're so close to our work and it's so personal. Uh, and depending on your background and how you've gotten to where you are, you might be more or less secure about it. But here's the thing. Everyone, a lot of people feel as if the quality of their work reflects on who they are as a person and the long-term outcome of their success. But it's has, it's, it has nothing to do with it. If it doesn't work, you fix it, <laughs> you move on. Like there's no magic, there's, there's no magic bullet. That's it. If it doesn't work. You fix it. And then that's uh, it. Uh. We're, uh, we're giving away all of Ted's tricks now. <laughs> Okay, see, now you segue back for me because that was going to be my question when you asked about the uh, the quotes here. Was that something that you'd, you'd come up with or was that something that, you know, because you, you mentioned you've been in at least at Disney and DreamWorks for 20 years. Was that something that kind of developed there or? Uh, no, no. I, I have a black book that I keep that has tons of ideas I have about animation, um, anything that I read, I write in there. Oh, that's oh, so amazing. She, India's pulling up a, uh, a post-it that she has. Oh, it, was bit, it, was a bit, it was a bit late. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't, we didn't plan this, by the way. So sorry, as a little aside here, uh, I would go around and after I got to know the animators and their strengths and shortcomings, I would go by and put post-its on their desk that had a phrase. Oh, that's cool. Uh, order for them to reflect upon it. And India's pulling them up right now. India's actually says, if it's wrong, we just fix it. <laughs> and then, and uh, there's another one that says, stand tall. And I wanted them to be a little obscure in order for people to actually have to think about it. Okay. Right? Because that's the thing. In the end, animation, there's nothing we're actually touching, is there, in CG animation besides the mouse and the keys. So animation becomes an abstraction of how we think and how we perceive moving something in virtual space that translates motion into emotion mm -hmm. that's understood by an audience clearly with a clear intention uh, and that is only understood if you had a clear intention when you went in there 
but you can't just rote copy a technique and a perfect workflow and get to that result. It might look great. It probably would, but it's empty and meaningless. And I think every animator has such a strong opinion to give because they're individuals with a point of view and a perspective and a different way of, uh, of expressing their emotions. And the only way is to really think critically. You have to really push yourself to be an advanced thinker and really think of things abstractly and then turn them into something concrete. Because think about it, whenever you show someone your animation and they say, wow, it feels good. Oh, that feels really cool. The word feel is always in there. People don't sit down and break your shot down. They give you the initial reaction, a gut visceral reaction. And that's an abstraction. Mm. It could be a really rough test, especially in 2D. Uh, it was really not as structured as it would be eventually when it was done. So what people have to go off of is how their brains put this together, imagery versus understanding. Mm. And if you can train your mind to take ideas and feelings that you have and translate and execute them into something that's uh, easily understood and clear, uh, in whatever particular medium you then I think you're successful. You just can't go through and say, I want to be like one of the great animators out there. You, it doesn't work. You can come alongside and study and see what they do technique wise. But in the end, it's about showing someone after you're done and them going, oh, that feels really good. Mm. The same thing that they said at the beginning. That's really successful to me. And I think putting post-its that were kind of arcane were there to make people think. Mm. That's you know, great. This, yeah. There was this uh, there was this strange thing that happened with those post-its when they first appeared, and I think I think I want to I, I don't want to say it was a universal opinion, but at least through most of the people I spoke to, is that they they appeared on the desk and everybody's like, I'm not sure about this. What's this? This is a bit odd. Like I this, I don't uh, this, I mean I don't really understand really understand what that means, and uh, it seems just a little bit kind of heady for my liking. And you, you'd leave it on your desk, you'd leave it stuck on there, and then you'd carry on working. And then like, oh, like a week or two later, you'd think, oh, okay, maybe there's something there. And then you'd be walking home one day and you'd be like, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost like he, he, like he puts this little, this, little, uh, this little worm inside your brain and it, it goes, I'm going to tell you some information, but you've got to work it out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's my voice at work. <laughs> 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 you have a bit of an English accent that's what translates. Because it's important people understand it's not just about technique, it's about how you approach it. You yeah. know, and the Stan Tall comment for India was the fact that India, um, as most of my animators on my team are particularly gifted, I got very lucky uh, with the crew that I ended up having. Um, but the whole thing is sometimes people are afraid to just let it out. You know, like I know a lot of great guitar players who have no perfect technique, but they hold back because they don't want to play the wrong note mm. or they want to, they don't want to make the mistake and because it'll stop them. And you know, it's embarrassing and it's, it's, you know, it undermines your confidence mm. as you're slowly trying to build it. But yep. for me, I'm just like, let it go. You know, like that's the only way. And so stand tall, man, just stand up and, and, Think about your choices and think carefully about your decisions, but then do them. And if they're not working, then we talk about it. So what, you know? Now, is that a personal thing that you've experienced, Ted, or is that, because 
that's not an easy thing to do in anything. Um, you have a martial arts background. I, you know, I wrestled and we've kind of talked about some of that stuff and that, that relates to me, uh, yeah. in, in those fields. Um, was that something you had to learn by experience or was that natural? Cause there, there's certain things that are kind of just natural to people. You know, some people are just naturally this or, but was that something that you had to kind of experience yourself? That's a good question. I think in martial arts and in 2d animation, it was always a lot of hard work, but it came much more easily to me. Okay. I, felt I was very natural at those things. I think maybe this philosophy came from CG <laughs> because like we've talked about on the podcast before I struggled with it when I came into it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think my CG literacy still, I feel very a little insecure about it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I learned that there's no use in holding back because what are you doing? Then you're showing a 50% mistake instead of a hundred percent mistake. So you're only solving half the problem uh, all the time. Where does that get you? Nowhere. Uh, it actually can have the, the converse effect where because you never really learn the whole solution, you're always wondering why it doesn't work mm. you're only fixing it halfway. So, you know, you can't expect to ever fully understand a problem until you resolve the entire thing. And it means embarrassing yourself. I've asked a lot of people, including people on my crew, how to do things I didn't know how to do, but you know what, how are you going to learn them otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. Get over the embarrassment. People will be like, okay, cool. And then you ask a couple of times, you write it down and that's it. And then you know it. See, that's why I love doing these podcasts. This, this is great. <laughs> that's great. Um, I, think it's, I think it's really easy as well to, to add to that. I think it's really easy as an animator, especially when you're learning, to look at other, other students and people who are professionals and people who you idolize and, and, and compare yourself to them all the time and look at, you know, I, how, how can they do that and I can't do this? And why, why, do I, why can't I be that person and why am I this person? And I feel like, of course, there is, there is a lot of, there is a lot of learning that goes into creating ideas and coming up with something unique, um, and you know, being aware of it. But I, I, as Ted said, I think the, the biggest hurdle for most people is, and the why some people are initially stronger than other people, is that it's it's just about trying it and having and not not. Um, not second guessing yourself all the time and just, just, just making it happen. And that's the same, you know, in any, uh, you know, in sport and in, in, you know, in guitar playing, and, you know, if you don't, if you don't afford yourself the opportunity to make mistakes and, and, and get things wrong, um, then the only thing you're going to do is you're going to get caught into caught in cycles and you're never going to, never going to grow. I think. Yeah. And your work is going to, and your work is going to look half baked. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Now, part of that, though, is I know on your end, Ted, is creating that environment, though, where you can do that. Because I'm sure there's environments that's not always easy to feel like you can make that mistake. Is that fair, guys? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I worked at a few already. <laughs> my, my short I don't, know. I don't know. The environment I can only perceive from my end on how I planned it, how they, it's probably better to ask them how it ended up feeling, but. I know that uh, there also has to be ground rules that are established, mm -hmm. you know, um, because people need to know what direction to head in. And you go in and you say, look, I'm going to make sure like, because the big thing right in Montreal is that 
people hop from studio to studio because there's not one that's structured enough that you could stay there for multiple films like at Disney or DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everyone's looking to get a demo reel and then possibly bail at any time because um, contract breach is not such a big deal in Montreal. Mm. Uh, because Well, earlier on, now people are taking it more seriously, but early on, you know, everyone's kind of touch and go like between management and artists. So that's where it kind of grew from. Mm. But I, I tried to tell people like, look, you're all going to get good shots from the start. Your demo reel will be filled in the first two months. And then what, what are you going to do? You have to really realize that everyone around you is getting equally good shots and equally so, so shots. And that really you're going to be shoulder to shoulder with these people for a little over a year. And after your demo reel is taken care of, then what are you going to worry about? You have to worry about the bigger picture, which is the film and each other ultimately. I know mm. it sounds, that sounds kind of heady, but you know, like to foster an environment where people realize that they have nothing to worry about in terms of material on their reel, mm. then people can emerge because then they're not trying to hoard or they're not trying to show off or mm. they're not trying to just look out for themselves right. in the sense of the word in terms of survival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden you, you start lending your, what you understand to someone else when they might not. You might help someone shoot reference in the middle of like when you're you know, deep in the zone, someone needs help with reference and you're gonna help them. Someone, and that ended up happening because you know what, it's not just the structure of what I set up, but ultimately the people that ended up being there. That's the important thing because I could you know, spout rules and and my expectations and then it's not the right people with the integrity that my crew had mm-hmm. doesn't work like people who are um very uh self-aware uh in terms of their behavior their growth um just like i said their integrity mm-hmm. towards their art and themselves that's like the key that's really the key and everyone really had that i mean martin and Nina both you know, brought, but I'm going to pump their tires for a second here. Okay. And I think every one of my crew would agree. Martin and India um, brought beyond their, I mean, I think it's, it's almost unfair to them because of, of this, but they brought such a positivity and an energy and a love for life to this, to our crew that without them, it literally would not have been the same. That's awesome. Like they've just brought this like, energy and this sunshine well, sunshine's important in montreal in the winter yeah. <laughs> but the big thing that they that they're able to do as well is that they and this speaks to them in terms of how they're balanced is that they also uh brought such a high level of self-expectation um and they wanted so much not just to do well for the film but to live up to the best that they could be as an artist. And that's kind of not easy because what does that mean? That means, okay, I want to achieve this environment and, and my, my uh, situation dictates that I can only achieve this. So you have to kind of dig inside and go, well, okay, this is my shot. The people who don't succeed as quickly are the ones who don't realize that any given, at any given time, the shot that's under your nose is your chance. 
you have to get busy with making as many mistakes and, and, and flubbing up and working as hard as you can and learning as fast as possible because you're not making it perfect with that shot under your nose. Mm. But you have to devote yourself to a long-term commitment of going, I'm going to apply as much energy as I can, as much focus and devotion into this shot under my nose, knowing that it might not be the greatest, but my goal is down the road. And this shot of like three feet gets me there. Mm. That's hard because it's draining. Mm. And, it, and it's really about the word commitment. You've got to go buying into you know, something that I have no idea is going to happen. <laughs> but they were really shining examples of that. That's fantastic. Like they did not let off the gas and put themselves through a lot of stress. Like it's stressful to do that. Mm. It's stressful to go, I'm calling myself out and I want this. And it sounds kind of, kind of arrogant, but I'm going to, I want this and I've got to achieve it. Okay. Now what you're going to lie in your bed and look at the ceiling and make it happen. No, you have to suck it up and go. And they really, really did. That's they really, fantastic. And they really emerged just, you know, between the beginning and the end of the film, their animation is just like elevated and their professionalism. That's the other thing that a lot of people had to be taught to, you know, mm. like, you have to be accountable and professional, but they, uh, they're they shining examples and can't wait to have them back in Montreal. That's fantastic. I mean, uh, I, 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 that's, that's really kind of you to say, Ted, so thank you. Uh, I think, uh, as also, you, you can't say this on a podcast, but we're both blushing now. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so warm right now. <laughs> so it's got really, is it summer already? <laughs> but you know, Larry, it's impossible to have a podcast that goes that long, but I have a, a story for every one of my animators. You know, I, I kept a careful eye on them and, as people and as artists to make sure that they stayed on track. And uh, I wish I could tell you about all of them. They all have an equally amazing story of like, um, uh, of evolution mm. and we growth. Had, like, such, a, such a wonderful team. We really did. Like I, I, I have like an affinity with, with everybody in that room and I will happily call all of them a friend as long as they'll, um, they'll acknowledge me as one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we we uh, there was a, there was definitely like a I mean I I've I've never worked anywhere where and I've 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 worked at plenty of places where I've happily you know been happy to to, to hang out and connect with people that that are there and they're friends with all sorts of people from those places but I've never worked anywhere where I think the whole room I wouldn't I, I could include all of those people as somebody who you know you you'd happily you'd happily go to the park with and have lunch. You'd happily go to their birthday party. You'd happily go to the Peruvian restaurant around the corner. Um, yeah. <laughs> you'd have like, they, they Puka Puka. Little shout out to Puka Puka. So our Canadian <laughs> friends are going, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, yeah. here's the, here's the funny thing is that you, know, you look at these two, they're such humble people. And most of the crew, I mean, almost the entire crew is equally humble. But you know, here's the thing, as an animator who wants to be in feature animation and equally in video games and TV, but I can't speak to that because I was not involved enough to know. So it's not fair for me to say, um, or well-informed enough, you know, for me to say uh, objectively, but as a feature animator, don't tell me that even the humblest animator somewhere deep inside, deep, deep inside in a place that only they know goes, I want to be the best animator there is, mm. right? No matter how humble you are, if you don't have that spark, 
you're not making it mm-hmm. because it has to be that flagrantly arrogant to, to push you through something that's just a bunch of intangibles. Mm. Right? Yeah. But that really, that statement is a philosophical statement and not a literal statement because it speaks to the standard that you hold yourself to and the admiration of the level uh, that others have achieved before you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's another thing that I look for is that deep inside that little sparkle in their eye. That's that I know that's in there mm-hmm. because that's got it. That's got to be. And these yeah. two have it just, you know, and you can't tell because you'd never think of all the people, the humblest people in the world, <laughs> they, but they've got it. They've got it. And they show it because you know, their animation as it went on more and more and more, it's got bite. Uh. No, that's animation has got to have that bite. And because you're here to kick ass, don't, don't pretend like that's what we're there to do. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be the best, you have to kick ass like all the time. It's, it sounds like such a frat boy thing to say, <laughs> but you know, what's the difference in saying you want to achieve excellence every day? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But to me, I'm a little aggressive about it. I want my team because I picked the best team and, and, um, in, in the right way, like we uh-huh. talked about, but they all want it bad. And so I got lucky. Okay. Another segue here because I've had you as an instructor as well. And uh, one of the things I probably would, if Sorry, you know, Larry. No, no, that's, <laughs> hey, I still have a video of, of a talk. I think you gave me just afterwards on its own. I still have that. I have it saved as a one-on-one. So um, it's not, it's not a posted, it's in a video form. So I have mine, um, <laughs> you know, but there's uh there's oh, okay. I'm just throw this out there. There's an old uh, Simpsons episode. I forget exactly what happens. Anyway, Bart says something to the effect of, "Yep, I'm tough but fair," you know, and that's kind of what I would see you as, Ted. You're tough but you're fair. You take care of your own. You, you aren't just the drill sergeant that doesn't care. You you are one who is tough in that regards. Um, you expect a, a lot out of people, but there's that fair part where you're saying, "Here, look, I wasn't just going out and looking at the the the." top of the line demo rule, I was looking for character as well. And that's the part I just absolutely love. Um, but the segue here I'm looking at is from your vantage point, this is a new position for you as an animation director. How did you get that high excellency for this film out of these guys that were maybe a little bit more green than maybe say some of the artists in LA, um, but still able to be patient in that regards. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. And yeah, because really the most senior person had like, you know, three features, mm-hmm. you know, which is like a baby to me, you know. Um, it was a new, it was a new job for you too, Ted. So every, like, it was, yeah. Was. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, yeah, just for the record, I was terrified. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's scary. Like, and you know, it didn't hit me when I walked into the studio. It, of all the things you never know when you're going to feel a certain way. And it was right as I walked up to customs, moving back to Canada, uh, <laughs> customs and immigration that I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is real. You know? And then it really hits you. But, um, you know what? I, I think I approached it in the sense that, okay, I've never been an animation director, mm-hmm. but I have seen how a lot of them work. And before I left DreamWorks, I went to each and every Hoka, which is head of character animation, which is animation director at DreamWorks, and I asked them questions. And I gathered up and tried to average out what they were saying to me. I asked them, what would you do better and what do you think you did well? 
That's why I asked each one of them. And everyone gave me a huge range of advice. And so I tried, that was the only thing I had to go on. And I said, well, you know what? This isn't something I wouldn't think about if I weren't just an animator. And so I approached it really from the vantage point of what, would, what environment would I like to be in? What, would, what environment would I not like to be in? Uh, because everyone wants to be good and everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to feel like they're contributing. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to learn. And whether people realize it or not, no matter how stubborn you are, part of you wants to be called out uh, for the things you do wrong and for behaving like a brat. <laughs> and other times being patted on the back for being a person, uh, a stand-up person, and for doing great work. And, you know, if I could list all my animators and I were to give you a rating of one to 10 on their ability, that would be one measure, right? I could rank them on a chart for you. Uh, it'd be tight, but I could rank them. But you know what? The list that's more almost equally important to me is a growth chart, right? Because at CalArts, when I taught there, we had something called the producer show and it was like the very best films made the producer show and this industry came to look at them and sometimes i mean obviously they deserve it every every artist who made producer show deserved it but i wish there was a show for the people who went through so much difficulty and struggle and were really brave by like fighting their own insecurities and fears and ended up improving the most mm -hmm. and if i could give you a growth chart that would be the insane one to look at. On and that's the one that's important to me because growth in animation only comes through growth of character. Mm. You cannot separate the two. You can say, well, isn't it mostly technical? Of course it needs to be technical, but you know, to, to struggle through and break through barriers, your hands are always going to work. Mm. Once you know my, you're going to know it, you know, but what makes those hands do something more? It's not just your brain that puts things together. It's your heart. Like, mm -hmm. what kind of guts do you have? How, how much are you going to um, endure to make it through? And my crew, like, I, I put them up against the best crew in the world. They're like, they are tough. Like, there's a grit factor mm -hmm. that existed on my crew. It doesn't exist anywhere else. <laughs> they're, they're gritty because you know what? We don't have like free food and we don't have massages and we don't have, you know, free everything. The amenities are there to put an artist at ease so they have less to worry about. We didn't have that luxury. Right. There was a lot of cake. Well, we <laughs> had a, yeah, that's, we'll talk about it at the, at the end. Like, <laughs> all tons of weight. <laughs> constant sweets and cookies and cakes being brought into the room that we, <laughs> we made treats for ourselves but no i mean yeah, yeah some I gutsy think, animators yeah and i think the um the support any at least like on an individual level like my own experience is that it is it's a it's a studio where they have empathy with the artists like you know if you're going through a rough patch at home or whatever it is or maybe just in your work or, you know, the, the support network is there to, you know, the team are there to pick up that person and make sure they're okay. And, uh, and also production understand too. They're not like, well, you haven't done your work. So either pick it up or go away, you know, it's, mm -hmm. 
it's it then there's that that pressure of like if something out of your hands does go wrong you know that you've got that network there that you're not going to be completely screwed over by because you know the support was all there with everyone at every every level you know like with um marion uh, uh, and the production side and and the and then you know the colleagues that are sitting next to you going it's all right you know keep going <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the thing. We, I'm sorry, Martin. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just, well, I was just going to say uh, briefly that that we should flag up Marion, who was our, our coordinator, production coordinator, who was an absolute legend from start to finish. She she yeah. quite often be the last person to leave, first person there in the morning. She made sure everybody had the right shots, had the right things, everything they needed, and all you had to do was sit down and animate. Hmm. And uh, I, uh, yeah, everybody should have Marion. Uh, yeah, my hero. You know. Um, She's a remarkable person. She had uh, worked on films like Asterix in Belgium. And the thing about Marion is that she has an incredible production side where she knows exactly what needs to get done when. Uh, but we worked so well together. In fact, she was a lot more production minded at the start and she didn't get how I wanted to do things because it was really different. But then she got to understand me and I got to understand her and I have the utmost respect because without her, this film doesn't get done on time, mm -hmm. finished on time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you know, that's the thing. It's that, you know, the management can be understanding of individual cases of difficulty, personal difficulty, because the animators earned it for themselves because you know what, when you deliver, people give you slack when you, when you, do things when you say you're going to your people are going to cut you some slack because you delivered mm. you know so it has to go both ways but marion was uh, fantastic in keeping things together and you know we spent a lot of hours planning how things were going to go and talking about how it was for certain animators uh to know when to back off or to give more work or to help people out if someone wasn't hitting their numbers we have someone who's really flowing, take over some of their shots, but give the footage to the other person. Um, because we didn't really look at those numbers overall. We just looked at overall speed and what we were giving people to do. But yeah, really, uh, Marion, uh, chapeau, we would say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, how did you divvy out shots, Ted? Because you mentioned a lot of these. Uh, Tallest people, best shots. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shortest people, worst shots. That seems fair. Like, yeah. Next question. That seems no. fair. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's why my post-it notes are stand tall. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're too small. <laughs> no, uh, everyone gets good shots. That's the key. And just, um, you mentioned that a lot of these people you hadn't known as much in regards to some of their footage or their, their reels and things like that. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, but, you know, you also mentioned to a large degree um, you were taking a gamble, period. Uh, basing off of their their character here, but yeah, how did you? It was just something that started developing as you can kind of see someone's weaknesses or strengths or. No, you know, I just had to take a, I just to go for it. Okay. Because I had one shot of like management was just waiting on me. They, no one knew me. The whole studio, everyone was new, and so they're just kind of like, okay, well, we'll take him at his word. Let's see if he comes through. And the biggest, biggest, biggest risk that I took was at the beginning because do I go, I clearly know Martin's work, India's work, Roy's, Roy Stein's work, mm -hmm. um, uh, some other people on the crew, a couple of people that I know, do I give them the good shots just to cover my back and then mm -hmm. 
slowly give people better shots as I see their work. That's the logical thing to do. I don't know. Screw that. <laughs> like, jump in this, huh? Well, you know what? Like, how? I guess it's my right and it's my job to uh, do that, you know, to kind of say, okay, well, I'm relegating you to this pile and you to this pile. And you know what? Here's the truth. Once you do that, no one really leaves that pile. Hmm. Philosophically, the fact that you've decided to put them there means that something in you fundamentally believes they belong there all the time. And I just, I can't, I wasn't willing to do that. There, these are artists who are hungry and animation can be taught, but you won't get better unless you want to get better. So for me, it's like, you have my trust to lose. You don't need to gain it. Mm. And I think that's the only way, but the big risk is that some people don't deliver and production says you're not delivering. And then they crack down on you and then you don't have any leeway, but you know what? It's like, I'm like everyone, you get good stuff. If you don't understand something, you've got the support. You could screw up and come to me and it's cool. You have nothing to worry about. We're going to make it better. No one's going to be killing it the first two months. We're getting used to everything. The rigs are broken, um, et cetera. And so everything's a learning process. It's bumpy, but we're going to do it together. We're going to rise and succeed together. Or we're all going to fail together. Hmm. And I, it think as well, I think there's not, there's not an awful lot in the film that's, that's your stereotypical B shots. I think you know, yeah. there, are, there are shots that aren't as, as, as intense, uh, but they're still difficult ones to get right. I don't think there's any shots in there that really you could give to somebody and just kind of let them get on with it and they'll, they'll do a good job. And there's no, no doubt about that one. Like it, it was all, it's all stuff that needs like, that needs an extra level of care and attention to make mm. it right. So I think that's, but that's logic though. The thing is I've been at studios, I've been on shows where that's exactly the case. So five animators get all those shots and they get stockpiled for them mm. and others deal with the dregs and that experience guaranteed me that I was never going to do that to someone else. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Martin in India, what were some of the things that you learned in during this, this movie here, this film? Um, uh, not to, to eat too much Canadian food. Oh, sorry. Go on. <laughs> I just said how to animate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, how to animate a bit more. A bit more. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I don't know how to completely animate yet. That would be a sweeping statement. <laughs> sorry. You know, I'm sure you go from one from one to another, uh, one movie to another, and it's always kind of one of those things I think about. Okay, what did I learn on this? What am I now taking? on my next journey here that I learned during that. Uh... So for me, like I, I, I'd only done TV and some VFX work before I, before I did this project. And I'd done some character work uh, in anime, obviously in mm -hmm. personal shots, but it was the first time that I'd ever done it in feature animation. And uh, it was hard, hard at the start, especially. It was like, I don't, I'm, I probably shouldn't be here. I should have I stayed, <laughs> stayed at home. This is a, uh, this is so, I, so I, difficult. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember turning to Martin because we happened to sit next to each other, which was either maybe not a great choice or was a great choice. <laughs> I don't know. Um, just to, just actually, to clarify that, we're we're we're, we're together. So yes. we'd walk we'd walk to work together, and then we'd sit next to each other, and then we'd go home together. And India didn't 
kill me. So. <laughs> Um, but I remember turning to Martin, and I think mate, probably the no, maybe not the first day, because first day you're just settling in. When we first got our shots um, cast to us, I just whispered to Martin like, "Oh no, <laughs> well, I think we should. I, I think we're imposters. Like, how did we, how did we get here? <laughs> just, just watching the like the animatic going, okay, yeah." And we and it was it just was a, a <laughs> yeah I mean that's the thing as well as you've just got to you, you I mean you're there you've got to try it you've got to you've got to get stuck in and I think it's one of those I think there's definitely animators who envisage themselves at a studio working on feature animation and think oh this is I'll I'll go there and I'll be great and it won't be a problem but I think for most people there's like this 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 nagging self doubt of like well when I get there like everybody's gonna realize oh, yeah. that I'm yeah. <laughs> And, and I think that, that on the majority, most studios are aware that, especially if it's your first feature, that you, you can't come in and be the best you can be on day one. You need a time to settle in. And, and we, we were afforded that. And, and it, it took me, it took me a, you know, it took me time to, to get up to speed. But by the end of the project, like I, I, it was night and day. Like I look, at, I look at some of the early shots I did and I'm like, you could have done a better job at that but I, you know it, it was it was it was as good as I could manage at the time um but by the end like I felt much more confident and much happier with my results so you know you're going to end up eating like eight percent of quality of shots in the movie because if you're going to give everyone a crack at it at the beginning you don't know like I didn't know but so I accepted that the quality was going to be less in the first couple of months and, but that would only amount to like 5% in the film. But then I'd have an entire team of people who felt confident and, and uh, entrusted. So I could give any one of them great shots, even better shots later. Mm. Now, what were some of the biggest hurdles for you guys, this being kind of your first feature that you initially hit up front? Because you mentioned, obviously, that was things starting picking up there. But what were some of the first things that you struggled with initially? I think I think for me anyway, it was uh, getting um, I can't remember what Ted called it. I think it might have been like red mist or something <laughs> um, during like shooting. Like we did quite intense reference to make sure we were had the best uh, uh, shot at the shot because you want the most amount of time you can spend on it. So you know, we if we had a, a two-person character shot or whatever, you know, you'd pick the people from the team that you would think would be great for the shot, if it or if it was yourself or whoever, um, and you take them into the reference room or or yourself into the reference room. And if if it was me on my own shooting reference, I, I at the very beginning of the project, I was very uncomfortable, not uncomfortable with doing it, but I very uh, I get very frustrated very quickly by it. Because I'm like, oh, I haven't, I can't hit that note. I can't hit that beat or whatever it is. That sort of probably part of that. If it's wrong, we can fix it, uh, type thing. And Ted was saying that there's no, there's no reason to get so frustrated by it. You know, you just try again, and if you don't get it, we'll find another way of getting it. Um, mm. And by the end of the project, I found it a lot easier to go in there and just shoot some reference and be like, oh yeah, I think this is the right choice for mm. this, for this particular piece of acting. So just getting um, more comfortable with yourself, yeah. with the show, just that comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think that was a big thing. More more so, like, I guess confidence thing rather than necessarily, like, 
mechanics as it were or, mm. or, or stuff like that but that's a that's obviously a whole thing but um yeah i think i think overcoming uh getting okay with not hitting the right beat in the in the reference to start with and play, having playing and experimenting was mm. a big thing for me got you martin yeah, I think I think uh, India's touched on it a bit, but the the confidence really just, just but universally like having having the confidence to to make the right choices and to make the mistakes and and the the yeah the, the first choice the first cho- idea that you have doesn't always have to be the the right idea and yeah. you you need to collaborate with people and you need to talk to people and you can't just lock yourself in a bubble and just expect to come up with the the best shot on your own because it's it's a collaborative process and you know i mean even i animate the 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 process that you have with with the tutor or in some cases your classmates that helps you you know uh, dig into your shots but yeah i think uh being more open to that and and engaging with it i think is was was one of the things that really really stuck out to me earlier on that helped so. mm. let's try to transition now to maybe particularly about the movie here uh, i was Watching the uh, the trailer here, ballerina or leap here here as it's going to be in the U.S. Do we have a date for the U.S.? March the third. All right, very cool. So not too long here, huh? Mm-hmm. Now it's been showing elsewhere though, because I noticed on the trailer it showed uh, Christmas. Uh, so where is it shown so far? Okay, it's well, why don't you talk about something and I'll bring up the list. I'll try and find it. <laughs> well, here. well we, it, I'll it's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's been out in the U.K. Um, just before Christmas. Okay. So, so Martin and I took the mums. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. It was wonderful. Like, uh, I mean, it's a story that I've anecdotally I've heard from a lot of old school friends and people that I used to know that um, that I used to know, still know, obviously, because they wouldn't have told me if I used to know them. But um, <laughs> the, uh, the, especially their younger children um, uh, have gone to see the film and then have been dancing in the aisles and gone home and dressed up in their their, their ballet outfits and so so it struck a chord with them so strongly and i i'd heard these stories and we'd had these stories and we're like oh that's really cute i, I like the idea of it and we went and saw the film with the mums and uh the, the lights came on and the the in the cinema and there was just a group of girls at the bottom just doing their their twirls <laughs> and awesome. doing their stretches and but um slightly slightly embarrassingly in that screening um my mum <laughs> I um I hadn't I, I don't think I'd been to the cinema to see any of the projects that I'd worked on before with her, so I think this might have been the first time. And um she's sitting there in the screen and there's there's India's mum, my uh, my mum in India, and she's uh she sits down and she t- she turns to the person next to her and she says, My son worked on this film. My son and his girlfriend is just they're, they're both sat over there. And uh, the, the man's like, Oh, well, congratulations. He, I don't think he was quite sure what to say. And then uh, and then and then later on she leaves. She proceeded to tell everyone. Everybody. The, whole the, cinema, the, the cleaner, the, the girl the girl that we got the ticket from. Uh, uh. She was she was chatting to one girl for what seemed like an incredibly long amount of time and I I could see the, the girl was, was was being very nice and, and, and courteous but they I were proud. Huh? Yeah, it was it was really They were cute. proud of you guys. Yeah. So. Oh, so by the way I have a list for you here. Um, yeah yeah so it's released so far in Belgium, Switzerland, Netherlands, Bolivia, the UK, France, Venezuela, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Bulgaria, Ecuador, Mexico, Lithuania, Argentina, Uruguay, Estonia, Poland, Russia, 
Uh, oh no, Russia, not yet. Russia's the 26th of January. Uh, and it's gonna release in Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Peru, Latvia, Slovakia, Germany, Spain, Czech Republic, Romania, Israel, Portugal, Turkey, Italy, uh, China, India, Indonesia, Japan, Malaysia, uh, Myanmar, Philippines, South Korea, Thailand, Singapore, Vietnam, Hungary, Greece, Middle East, U.S. of A. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you can take a breath yeah. now. Yeah. That is fantastic. That's a lot. That's going to visit all of them. That's an awful yeah. lot. Now I'm going to all the premieres on my own bill, and I'm going to see uh, if I can learn Lithuanian. <laughs> it's a simple language. It's, uh, it's, yeah. I noticed on some of the stuff I think you had posted socially, or maybe I just saw uh, socially, um, that I thought was really cool was just that they had, uh, maybe for some of the premieres, they had some of the uh, people who did ballet come out and walk people to their seats and do a little something beforehand. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about that, Ted? Yeah, it was beautiful. They just had uh, some little ballerinas um, come out and do a show prior to the screening, and Orly Dupont was there. Uh, and uh, Jeremy Bellingard. Um, it, was really, it was really great. It was really nice. That's very cool. I have some interesting news about China, if you'd like to hear it. This Absolutely. is exclusive for you. Yeah. So we're releasing um, Ballerina on February 1st uh, in China on 6,600 screens. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That's and it's the first foreign movie ever to be allowed a release during the Chinese New Year. Oh, that's awesome. That yeah, is that's very, a very lot cool. of screens. And we're very, very grateful to our Chinese partners um, because they um, really did an absolutely fantastic job uh, getting a lot of partners and, and support involved. Uh, so yeah, we're hoping for success there. Awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, 1.8 million entries in France. Very cool. Entries as opposed to total box office. So it's the number of viewers that go. Okay. Um, a successful number would have been 1.5 to 2 and we're at 1.8 right now. Mm. But given the fact that we opened against Rogue One, <laughs> and, uh, the, the second or third week of Moana, Moana in its third week in France had 750,000 entries, and we've still done 1.8, so we're wow. quite happy with that. Very cool. Six or seven million pounds in the UK. Very cool. So uh, we're doing that okay. Just, we're very happy. That's that was nice. just us. That was just us and our mums. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks we to went. Martin and Indian and mums. <laughs> Their mums. <laughs> Helping uh, uh, sell the movie for the uh, audience there. That's yeah. awesome. Now, was this um, Latier's first full feature or? It is. Uh, first okay. anything. <laughs> yeah. Man, what a, what a way to kind of go out. That is awesome. Um, it's a good studio. There's so many passionate people. Not just, I mean, we're speaking about animation, but briefly, like every single department, uh, you know, everyone had to wear a lot of hats. I think the one thing that I could have done better at was being more available for my animators. Um, you know, I think they needed me more from day to day. I did as well as I could, but they needed me in a lot of different capacities at the studio as other supervisors were demanded of. But, you know, everyone like, you know, this sounds like name dropping, but it's just respect like Benoit and Nahas and uh, Gregory and Chloe and all these people every day who just were like the glue management who did all kinds of jobs and it was amazing experience. Yeah. Everyone was just like, you know, it's not like it didn't have its drama and its, <laughs> and its bumps and its hiccups. Sure, we had plenty of those, but you know what? Like, 
it always end up resolving for the best. So yeah. that's cool. Cause I've, I've talked with people who are um, not as familiar with animation and kind of what we do. Um, and when they start realizing how much, how long it takes to do certain things or how much, how long something is, I said, yeah, go watch after you watch the movie, go look at the credits, you know, and you'll see that. And they're like, yeah, I know, but they don't notice that they watch the movie. It's like, great. You know, and they loved it or whatever, but they don't realize and all of a sudden you start realizing all those names on there. That's what it took to make that film there. Yeah. And the producers really engendered that confidence, you know, like, uh, Laurent Zaitun and Yen Zanu are two guys who, uh, well, actually there's, uh, um, a third producer who was involved um, and they uh, have a company in France called Quad. Uh, Nicolas uh, Duval is his name, by the way. And they, it's really funny because when I interviewed with them, they had never mentioned that they'd done a film called Les Intouchables, The Intouchables. And they made it for like 16 million uh, euro and it ended up making 447 million US dollars. <laughs> When I interviewed them, they never mentioned that. I should have done my homework well enough. I wasn't. I was in a hurry, and I didn't do thorough enough work. But those two guys actually set the tone for everyone else. Like they're just like behind the scenes, super passionate. Laurent actually really had dictated the writing and the direction for the film, uh, and they just never take any credit for it. Mm. You know. Those so they were so accessible as well. They were so engaging and like, I, I've, I've, I've done, I've done the VFX thing and you don't, you don't see the people that you're, who, who, who you're making a movie for. They're, they're so far removed from you that they're like this, they're, they're like whispers in the wind. Whereas like Yann and Laurent would be around all the time. And, you know, you, if you had questions for them or you engage in such like warm and welcoming people, you never felt like you were just like a, just like a cog. You always felt like yeah. part of their team. Mm. Think about talk about commitment. They're like, okay, we've never done an animated feature. Let's start a studio and move from France. <laughs> Maybe it'll work out. I don't. Like, that's, that's pretty ballsy to me. <laughs> well, I think also, and I Ted probably won't probably won't mention this because because he's so modest. But the uh, the there's a there was a great uh, like uh, they were really in sync. Like Jan. Yann Laurent and Ted had a real kind of great chemistry. And I think I think part of the reason that we didn't, obviously we didn't have the, the budget of some of the bigger studios. So there was only a certain amount of time we had to do what we could do. And because they were so um, in tune with each other and because they were so, uh, so, uh, so close in a lot of ways, it meant that there wasn't those 18 tiers of like uh, people for, for ideas, yeah, for approvals to go through. It was, it was, Ted and then Yann and Laurent and usually they were on the same page because they were so because they were so in sync and that, that made things a lot easier for us mm. on the whole so very cool yeah uh, you know we we Larry this is a funny insider thing about the studio if you want to know this yeah it frustrated some people and not others and I understand why but we didn't have a conventional dailies really everyone was in there and everyone sat and everyone looked at their shots with all these people because it actually was an accident because the producers were in France for like six months of the production gathering up everything to move over and so basically I would go through shots with him prior because we couldn't have everyone in there on Skype because we know how well that works at our studio <laughs> uh, and and then so I, they would end up giving the notes to me and I would give them to the animators one by one but by the time they moved over we're like this works really well 
you know, and I would just make sure to launch the shots clearly. And then I would approve the shots with the animators after Laurent looked at them and Yan. And the beauty of that is that if you like the system, you never had to stress about any reinterpretation or getting notes or talking to the directors or whatever. If you are one of those people that loves dailies and loves interacting with the directors, uh, it wasn't a show for you, but I think if I had my way, I would keep it this way because it just allows animators to animate, mm. and not a use a lot of their time going to sit down, but then you avoid the weird kind of, some people aren't great communicators mm. and other people get awkward. And if two people don't communicate well, there's misinterpretation. Then right. it's an additional thing that gets in the way of you being creative. Mm. I know not everyone was a fan of this system. Like for a fact, I know there's people on, on the animation team that would maybe not come back because it's not the system, but uh, that's, it works best. It worked great. That's neat. Yeah. I, I love the idea of willing to try something that's not, Hey, well, that's just cause that way we've always done it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, where did the story come from? Well, it was uh, co-written by um, my producer and a writer named um, Carol Noble, okay. who is super wonderful uh, English woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, the initial pass, I had to change a lot of English terms to American terms. Then the right Laurent and uh, Carol took up to rewriting, as you know, every feature does, uh -huh. uh, and it just evolved that way. So Laurent had a huge part of it, and then. Uh, I was allowed to be in script rewrites and revisions and I got to know the characters better that way. Uh, okay. Cause yeah, one of the reasons I ask is, is just ballet is in, I guess maybe not uh, as popular maybe here in the U S per se, at least in some of the fields that I've been in. And like I said, I, I'm one of three boys. Some, uh, but you know, I've got boys now I've got girls uh, myself. So that might be just a different perspective for me um but as you were kind of mentioning all these countries where it's at i can go okay i can see where the popularity particularly for a story like this but then just as you mentioned you know all these girls kind of going out there and dancing it kind of gave me that reminiscence of what frozen kind of did you know where it was just that that singing the song and you know that empathy right away and so i can really see where this this movie here particularly will do well um even though it, I think kind of in some ways transcends uh, whether you're in ballet or not, just that idea of dancing and song. And um, so what were some of the things that for this story that kind of hooked you guys? I think it's also like, I'd, I'd say is uh, beyond that. I, I think obviously it's, it's natural for the, a lot of the, the marketing stuff to lean heavily on the ballet, but there is, I think there's a lot more to the story beyond that, that, that I, that I, I know friends who've seen it, who, 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 definitely definitely don't like ballet and they really enjoyed it so mm. I, I think well, my my dad cried about three times <laughs> <laughs> um, he loved it. Heart. But cool. I, I think i think yeah i think the dancing is more like uh their their medium of expressing their their emotions or you know like how we animate but it's mm. not the genre you know right right um but i guess yeah i guess it's easy to like martin said easy to fall on that sort of stereotypical demographic to advertise to I guess for if if a business wants to make money I guess that's you know um but yeah there's a lot more actually in fact when we watched it uh because we'd never we I think we'd only maybe watched the whole thing once uh, as a team at L'Atelier uh 
on a sort of like Friday beers, like, oh, we finished animation, let's play it. It's a fun screen like, as well. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's just basically quoting the whole film and cheering at people's shots. Cheering at other people's shots. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we hadn't watched, and also then it was, you know, some of it was rendered, some of it was just played last and all that sort of thing. Mm. So when we went to see it, I, in my head, I had an impression of like um, Victor, one of the characters. Uh, and I was like, oh, he'll probably play out, you know, he'll be funny, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I watched it and I was like, actually, I think he's maybe my favourite character. <laughs> uh, like, there's something about his his arc through the film, even though he's not the main character. It's mm. just, it, it gave me a different impression of the film. Like, uh, I don't know if my brain had already assumed, oh, you know, ballet, uh, the main character's a girl. Uh, it's similar, I guess, to a lot of people. But yeah, the, the male characters in there are not to be undermined, I don't think. Mm. That's great. There's a really, really awesome postman. He deserves his own movie. <laughs> What's that? There's a, there's a guy that pops up for about uh, four shots, five shots, and uh, he's, he's the postman who delivers a letter that, that moves the story forward. But he's, uh, he's deserving of his own, of his own spin-off movie. It's very charismatic and unique. <laughs> You did all of those shots, right? Didn't you, Martin? Oh, I no. Did, I did one of them. Uh, I think. Uh, David Wood. Yeah. 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 I did one. But I did a, there was a longer one that I did. Yeah. So, yeah. I think I did the reference for all of it, maybe. Yeah. All, all the uh, lip sync and stuff is in English. It is, correct. Okay. It's, it's all done in English. Correct. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, Although they've added Harvey Weinstein for the U.S. versions, adding some things that I'm not sure what he's adding. So there might be some surprises <laughs> that I don't know about. But okay. one of the voice actors is like, she called me and she's like, hey, I'm doing some new tracks. I'm like, oh, you are? <laughs> uh, she's like, you didn't know? I'm like, no, but it's okay. You know, Harvey does what he does best and he does it well, so... You know. As long as they don't turn Felici into like De Niro or something. Yeah, no, actually, there's a, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of cool things that a voice, one voice that was uh, changed, uh, which I think is a very funny choice and a character where it won't really make that big of a difference, but I think that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, one of the things I noticed last night when I checked out the, the trailer to refresh my memory, uh, obviously a lot of mechanics looked good, though. It looked really, really good. Um, what was some of the strengths and hurdles that you kind of came across making sure that those were nailed down, Ted? Well, here's the thing is that uh, you're having just come from DreamWorks and Disney and the whole history of wanting to make it the very best possible. Mm -hmm. The first thing is that, you know, you have to decide where you want to set your level. And for me, I wanted it to be, I wanted the dancing and of course, overall animation, but since it's a movie about dance, mm -hmm. largely, I wanted the dance to be able to be scrutinized, not just by Disney and DreamWorks and Pixar animators and to be, you know, just flawless, but by the, by Orly Dupont mm -hmm. and ballerinas uh, to be able to like still frame and look for mistakes and not find any. Mm -hmm. uh, but after you, you decide that you want to be there, then you have to kind of go, okay, well, if Orly Dupont is going to do, uh, who's now director of the opera there, and, the, and for those who don't understand, the, the Palais Garnier or the uh, Paris National Opera 
they're all the same thing. And that's like the ballet dance school. That's a French style exists there and it emanated from there. But if Orle Dupont is gonna do your reference, it's, it's perfect. But we're not here at a rotoscope. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, and I was really racking my brain. That's the first thing I'm gonna think of, right? Because the dancing has to be great and yeah. convincing, but you don't wanna copy stuff. Because animators can copy reference quite easily, but that's any animator who's had some experience realizes that reference becomes really just an assurance of the right intention. And then you push and you pull from there, you know? Uh, it's really not copying at all. But I, I sat down with Orly and, and I said, well, look, I have no idea how to do this because I want to make it perfect for you and technically accurate. But I don't know how to do that without, without making it, it's, it'll come out stiffer in animation, mm. you know? And I think I've said, I've mentioned this before somewhere else, but uh, uh, she says she laughed and she's just like this elegant, beautiful, uh, talented, supremely capable woman. And she leans over and she puts her hand on my arm. She goes, no, 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 you don't need to worry. I don't want you to animate like I dance. I want you to animate like I dream of dancing. Oh, that's cool. Like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Sounds really hard and, you know, inside and outside. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Ted so like, will give him one of his own post-it notes. Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm my own head. Quit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think for me that meant a lot because A, it was her trust that we would figure it out, mm -hmm. that she trusted me to do what I do best. And then so then you just had to search in the script, you know, and make sure that you understood what drove our main character, Felicity, and what drives her, her opponent, quote unquote, Camille. And the basic difference is one is driven completely by her heart and one is being driven completely by something that's been placed upon her an mm -hmm. expectation. And uh, certainly you can never put up someone who's had tons of training against a newbie and possibly think you can be better just on the technical basis. So there has to be more. Mm -hmm. What people don't understand is that there's a lot of dancing that we half made up on our own. I mean, Arlie did tons of reference for us, but Felicity comes from the country and she dances a lot in her Breton dancing, her country dancing. And a lot of that was done, like choreographed for us. That's awesome. A lot of it wasn't. And so it was us learning to have a couple of extra fuetes when she's dancing ballet, a couple extra turns, a little more hang time on a jump, a pose push a little bit more in the right places to make it seem like the next generation of dancers. You see athletes nowadays, mm -hmm. they're doing the exact same things they were 20 years ago, but they're faster and stronger and doing things you couldn't, they couldn't like, you know, athletes, the best of the generation 20 years ago would never have thought of doing mm -hmm. just natural growth i think mm. we tried to put that in the characters i hope we did a good job i think we did that's a good cool job. that's one very the, very cool uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite film critics uh a guy called oh. mark mark commode over here i like um, that guy now yeah he's, <laughs> he's your new favorite film critic as well he um he's he's his opinions are normally pretty pretty close to mine and he, he says he's, got, he's, he's got also very person. usually very um cut and dry yeah like yeah, he'll yeah. just say like oh no it just doesn't work or yeah, he'll say, yeah. Don't go see this film. He positive. Yeah. He really enjoyed, he really enjoyed ballerina. He, he, I think he, he said, um, he said, but the thing that really stuck out for him, the, re the thing that really captured him was the dance was how, was how 
well done and uh, how how much uh, heft it had. I think was the yeah. was the word he used. How funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think it's a testament to to the team and the stuff that the stuff that came out in those sequences. The, it looks really beautiful. So yeah, ballerina for the most of the world here, but I think in the U.S. it's going to be leap, right? Correct. Okay, just want to make sure for our audience. Which is not a bad name. Could have been yeah. more. Well, no, when I actually, when I didn't, when I watched the trailer again, it says something about taking that leap. And so all of a sudden, right. now knowing the U.S. name, it made sense. And so, yeah, I can see where it does definitely work. Wow. Yeah, I think it's going to remain ballerina in Canada because okay. the distributor is E1 here, uh, the same as in the U.K. Mm-hmm. So I think they didn't have any problem with the numbers in the U.K., so they're going to keep it keep it that now ted anim director um obviously you said you meant you wore many hats was there this is I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of roles that you were less familiar with um versus being in the production at disney and dreamworks there so it seems like you're now having to learn a lot of these new terms and outlets and stuff like that was that a big yeah. role that you had to kind of get around to i didn't expect it you know, to be honest, I just thought I would arrive and be compartmentalized like at Disney and DreamWorks. Uh-huh. You just do your job every day and you go home and you just do your best at that. But um, again, you know, uh, Laurent and Yan uh, put a lot of faith in me and they just, they never uh, once said like, oh, we know everything. They're the first to kind of say, we don't know this, help us. Mm. And, and um, it was a mentorship both ways. I think they learned about animation. And I learned a lot about what it takes to run a studio the right way. Mm. And the funny thing is, is Laurent uh, was so involved. The guy's so that guy should be a movie director. He made so many weirdly acute calls on the acting and his instincts are so strong. Uh. He's a bit of a genius at it. He doesn't even know it. Like it's, and he's so busy being a producer and that's what he does best. Him and, and Yan are like, this whirlwind of activity, constantly doing all these things and balancing their great family life and being great dads and husbands and, and running the studio. So I kind of, I think most people stood back and kind of just admired them from afar uh, as to how capable and like Martin said, warm and kind they remained like genuinely, but they were very uh, gracious in allowing me to be closer to them and learning that side of the business. Mm. And That's how funny. to really keep that integrated with our our artistic goals. That's you know, neat. They all, you know, pushing character and personality and relationships and emotions. That's what it's about. And that's one of the things that I'm really just kind of enjoying about maybe the where we're at in this industry. And this is not in comparison to Pixar, DreamWorks, Disney, or anything along that lines. But I love the venue that you guys have been able to have in a smaller studio um there's pros and cons obviously uh i, I love uh, a lot of the work that comes out of blur studios um down in i think santa monica and one of the things that uh, the uh the ceo there mentioned was just that they they're not a specialist studio they, they they have to wear many different hats and one of the pros was that was that you have a little bit more ownership because it's not just something that you're doing and kind of handing off here um and so I, I seems that that's kind of the same boat that you're in there with the smaller studio or and I say smaller. I mean, you said you had 30 animators, I guess smaller in regards to maybe budget per se. Um, yes. uh, you had to wear more multiple hats there, but sure. there seems to be that pro though, that as you mentioned, even regards to the dailies, there's things that you're able to kind of cut out and be a little more efficient on than uh, maybe some of the bigger studios. 
Yeah, you know, it's like there's there's good and bad things in every studio, right? Um, because basically, if you look from the top down, you have Yen, who's the financial genius, who has an artistic eye. You have Laurent, who's the artistic genius, who has like a financial eye. Like they, those two guys, and then that trickles down through the management, and then the management team who are artistic as well, and they wear a bunch of hats. Um, and we don't have the luxury of things. So we don't have the, like our budget was probably the opening sequence for Moana. <laughs> like, no kidding. That's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And and so everyone was very realistic, but instead of taking the view of like, oh, well, we only have this much. They're like, well, we have this much. Let's squeeze every mm. penny out of it. But everyone had to, there's no room for lack of communication or honesty. And that was the great thing. It was give and take, like from my end that, the animators didn't see every day. It's a constant um, bargaining and trust with other departments. Mm. So if if you know Benoit, who's the CG soup, um, said, "Hey, look, I can't. This stuff that you're doing, we can't do it because it'll result in this later." And I see that proportionately, it's more important to him, and it's more essential for the film for him to have his way than my way then he gets his way mm. because later on you, you know, respect begets respect and consideration begets consideration. And later on, if I'm like, Ben, I really need this. He's like, okay, it's tough, but you got it. <laughs> and that's, and, but that's the way it goes. And it's not my, you scratch my back. I scratch yours. That's a lot more uh, self-interested. Uh -huh. It's always us with the biggest hat, which is like, what's best for the film. Uh -huh. It sounds like this weird utopic thing. It was very painful along the way, but everyone bought into that. That's cool. And that's what made it work. What it, looks, it really looks like a doesn't it doesn't look like a film with the budget that we had. It okay, looks, that's exactly what I was just gonna say. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it you you would be forgiven in thinking that it was a much much larger budget, and the, the way that the, the stuff that lighting and that comp did, and beautiful. The, the way that some of those sequences are just absolutely stunning, especially yeah. on the big screen. Yeah. And so make sure you go and see it in the cinema, everybody. That's right. Please Absolutely. See it, everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you will not be disappointed, I'm sure. No. Yeah. no but, but you know, that's really, what I was actually saying as well. It, it, uh, the lighting is beautiful. The look of it is great. The animation, Thank obviously, you. top notch. Thank you, you. You would not, from at least from the trailer that I'm looking at here, you wouldn't think it's a one to one in regards to budget for sure. It, 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 so it holds up and it looks very, very beautiful. Um, and I, that's why I guess it's just, I, I like, that's why I said it's not in comparison to the, any other companies, but it's just neat to be able to see companies. Um, I know that's what Jason's doing up there uh, with Cinecite and uh, the movies that they're, he's going this, he's been in Disney and DreamWorks for a long time and he's been able to see some of the things that he liked and some of the things that he feels that they, they can do better there on a smaller budget and be more efficient. And I'm sure that was kind of the same boat for you guys here and still be able to produce something that's just absolutely looks beautiful. Thank you. It's really an approach, right, Larry? Because you can, you can think of it one of two ways. You can go, we're a studio that makes uh, cool movies for X budget. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, we have X budget, but we make cool movies. Mm. One of them puts the fact that you're a bargain studio first. And another one says that we're doing the best with what we have, mm -hmm. but what we the best that we can do is far exceeds what we, we have financially. Yeah. And I think that's what we are because we always put the art, artistic foot first 
because you know after people see this film i've yet to hear someone go not bad for x amount of dollars right yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. and instead of going like wow that's great and when they don't mention budget uh-huh that's what you want yeah hmm. yeah you can measure how much we had by the bags under our eyes <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at mine. Um, <laughs> the um, although we didn't work late nights, let me. No. Yes. So I want yeah, to point that good. out. Neat. It mm. finished. It finished on time. On time. Fantastic. Every every mm. day. <laughs> um, Just for me. <laughs> well, yes. Sorry, Tim. That's why you get paid um, the big bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I also think that the the um, the ex the what's the word? Uh, I I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to say it correct now. The accessibility of the studio, like if you put another studio where all the departments were locked off from one another and, and, and Latelier, where, you know, it's fine to go and walk to another department and say, oh, I've got a problem with this or, hey, can I, help, can I get some help with this or whatever it is. Uh, and I think you would just not have the same movie because mm. the studio where everything's locked off and it's very rigid and you know, you can only get a change if it's approved by however many emails you've sent or whatever it is. Mm. It, I just don't think it would ever get finished, at least to the, if it did, it probably wouldn't be to anywhere near the standard, I don't mm. think. There's, there's always going to be some level of politics in any studio, in any situation where there are multiple people involved and there are different personalities. But the, the, the overall lack of friction that we experience there Say with other departments and internally with our leads who are all wonderful might I add it, it is is was nothing that I've that I've experienced before and I suspect probably nothing I will experience for a while again but there's there's nothing <clears throat> it was as India said so easy to get to 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 get help from people outside of the department to get things changed to get things pushed through and, and I've I've been I've been in those in studios that have been smaller and you, you have to fight tooth and nail just to get like an extra controller added to a rig or mm. something, or, or one of your shots looks a bit strange now that it's gone, gone outside of the department and you, you, there's, there's some, you, you wanted to flag up. And any of those things that you, it's totally gone from your wheelhouse and in most cases, but with, with, with us there on Ballerina, it, it, it was, it never felt like there was resistance when, when it was, within reason. Mm. So I, I, I always appreciate that. By the same token, we were lucky to actually have our own room for animation. Mm. Uh, that, you know, people, I don't so know. Keep, keep the noise down. Yeah, <laughs> but keep the noise down. And, and mm. actually, strangely enough, most of the time people would come in and be shocked that it's like church quiet with just mice clicking most of the time. People came to do business and and do it well but we had fun too and i think a lot of people just felt like it was our sanctum which it was let's be mm -hmm. honest you know it was our own dojo our own private space and that room still's got magic in it still's got mm -hmm. magic in it <laughs> yeah oh, the, the comment i was going to say is you just the I guess maturity that i'm hearing from in regards to what you guys had kind of set up i would never accept that this was the first film me neither. Yeah. It, it seems like you guys, the way you guys have nailed things down and the flow of it, it just seemed like this is like third, fourth, fifth film. We kind yeah, of we started this. with a complete script. That was the key. We had the script locked down. I mean, of course, things evolve and get rewritten and change. Mm -hmm. 
but that was the big key. We didn't start production until the script was, was done more or less. Mm. Now, how much did you have input in regards to the pipeline? Because you said this very was- little, very little, because I arrived when like pipeline was already pretty set for a year. It was being developed and um, there was a change in rigging uh, personnel. And so it resulted in rigs that were uh, begun under a different philosophy uh, that changed. And so the rigs weren't as cooperative as we needed initially, uh, but that changed over. Uh, we had a new head of rigging um, that solved a lot of our issues for us. Brilliant guy, um, Bruno Blanc. Uh, not to say the, the, the past one was not, but it's just different philosophically. Uh, and I, uh, it, it was really pretty ironed out. And that's the only thing I regret that for myself, there wasn't enough pre-production animation time. Mm. Um, but then you just kind of have to just suck it up and go, right? Like mm. you need to do your best. It was just so exciting, Larry. Like I can't tell you, it was the most daunting uh, <laughs> endeavor I think I've ever <laughs> undertaken. Um, and we had a wall where we had all our sequences uh-huh. that were in progress or done or whatever just started. And about two months in, that nothing changed. And I was like, <laughs> well, seemingly, you know, so little had been done that I'm uh-huh. like, how is this going to happen? And now it's like out there and uh, like there's, you know, 34 souls that um, I cherish, you know. Um, uh, it's really, I don't know, I can't even explain to you what a special experience it was. Mm. What is the uh, the vibe there in Canada in regards to film? And obviously, Canada's had a big um, game community, and even that's growing as it's kind of mimicked film in regards to some of the capabilities. Um, but obviously, you know, like I mentioned, Jason's up there, you're up there. Uh, they seem like they're really, really wanting to grow that industry. Yeah, you know, it's tough because there's, uh, let's be honest, there's tax subsidy in Canada. Mm-hmm right? Let's, let's like show business, right? Uh, it's not show art. So uh, people want to have the best financial chance that they can have to, to make films and make some money. Mm. And um, when you look at it from that perspective, it makes sense, you know, that it's exploding. Uh, the cool thing about it is that the, like you said, the video game industry and the VFX industry were always quite well established mm-hmm. here. Uh, and now feature kind of falls into three different categories, you know, where you have like real full on service, which is me who did little prints and captain underpants. And then you've got, um, Cinesite, which is doing more films, slightly less budget, but they turn out a lot of cool animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then ours, which is kind of fits in between, which is almost boutique independent feature studio. And what we do choose projects to keep us, um, going, but we only choose quality projects and we have uh, an opportunity. Like we're working on a show, a TV show for Netflix called RoboZuna right now. We're building it up. We're going to be doing that soon. Cool. Our first TV show. So we've never done that before either. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know. But then we, we, I like where we're at in the middle Uh because I've worked at someplace like Micros and, um, you know, like Cinesite is also big studio in the sense that they have a mothership. Uh-huh. As well, but I kind of like that things can be no, more nervous day to day in terms of like what's going to happen in a couple of years at our studio. But 
I don't care about a couple of years. I care about now and what's getting done now. And, and I learned that from ballerina that, you know, you just have a plan as much as you can and then you just go day to day and make the best of it. You know, that's awesome. Very, very cool. Well, I really appreciate you guys joining me in this podcast. This has been a blast. It's been a blast. Like I said, it's been a bit since I've done one, um, only because I've a little more gun shy after I lost one and I'm hoping to get her back. She mentioned she would. So I'll, I'll mention that for the podcast, but this has been a, a really, really uh, fun podcast and just be able to meet up with you guys again. So, um, no different time zones and stuff like that. So it wasn't, uh, not always easy to nail down the date and time, but I really just appreciate you guys joining me on this. No, thanks Larry. It's all, it's great to see you and see everybody again here. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So go see ballerina slash leap. Um, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It's beautiful. Check it out, as we said multiple times. Pretty much in any country, except apparently like Sweden and and Denmark and Norway. I don't know what's going on there. Got to call some people. All right, get on the phone here. <laughs> All right, take care. Take care. Thank you guys.